Uh, alright, so, uh, I don't know, what do we do? What are we, what are we starting with today? What kind of, anyone have any nonsense? Well, so, uh, last time we had this, like, really brilliant cold open, and then we went on for, like, 45, 50 minutes until we introduced the episode. <laughs> it was, like, 10 minutes, come on. It was a good solid ramble. I, I think that we, probably less than half of our listeners hit stop before getting to the the end of that which for us i <laughs> assume is pretty good <laughs> i mean i don't i don't know for certain because um you know we're very uh, the aclu loves us listeners because we don't collect d- data on your habits um we just know that some of you downloaded our episode uh and we don't know anything more than that that's all we know so uh don't worry we don't have any of your credit card numbers uh, or fingerprints, or I don't know, compromising financial information. <laughs> so, or I mean, I've been collect- as a personal project, I've been collecting that, but uh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa! What's with the typing? What you can hear me typing? Jesus Christ! Oh, that was you were typing <laughs> uh, in a frenzied manner. I, of course, we can hear. typing fact, quickly. You mean typing at a normal rate uh, for people? No, sound sounded angry. Sound, there was some percussive element. It must have gotten amplified because I'm I'm just normal typing. Mm. No, you're you're. I mean, it's shown up before. I just I've been quiet because it's usually not quite that energetic. You just seemed like you were super into it. <laughs> ah, typing, did you typing. did you put on some weight in the finger area recently? Right? <laughs> I did. I actually, I'm, I'm wearing <laughs> finger weights. It's part of my, like, ninja finger training. <laughs> Are they easier or harder to type in than, say, boxing gloves? About the same. About the same. Okay. Well, I'll just keep that in mind next time I'm deciding which, what kind of typing impairment system <laughs> I want to, uh, or TIS we call it in uh, the typing impairment uh, competition uh, scene. Where we get together and we compare words per minute um, while our typing is impaired by various things, such as boxing gloves or weights or alcohol consumption. No? I mean, we could. <laughs> I don't no. know how to riff on that. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure where to go with that. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, definitely a real thing and not a incredibly not funny thing. Uh, gag i just i don't know not a not a bit <laughs> definitely not half bit? oh we don't do uh, it was well it was half something uh <laughs> moving on maybe we should uh maybe we should just say that uh we're the honest bicycle program you know people probably know that i mean i assume it, that it's a good idea to their remind fingers... no it's true i assume that that uh their fingers aren't just slipping in in I don't know, accidentally hitting download or like subscribe and then they aren't accidentally clicking play. Um, but nonetheless, it seems like that this is how things are done. So I guess that we'll say we're, you know, we're the honest bicycle program. We talk about, I don't know, bike, bike stuff. Sometimes we talk about whiskey. Sometimes we talk about, um, boxing gloves, I guess. I'm Greg. I'm Francis. And this is Matteo. Oh, that was good. The whiskey, I mean. <laughs> I thought you meant the introduction. Took a, on, took a on the subject of whiskey, Greg, I, I have to say a little anecdote here is that uh, I recently um, I re-upped my, uh, my stock of whiskey, and I saw the Woodford Reserve when I was at the liquor store, but it was the... G- Did you chicken out of me? Did you punk out on me, Francis? It was a giant bottle. It was $10 more than I was going to pay for the bullet rye, and I just... I chickened out. I, I, I want to try it before I commit to the $70 bottle. I think it was 80 actually. Ugh. Before I commit to the $80 bottle. I want to I wanna try it. Oh, you were looking at the one and a half liter Well, that's bottles. all they had. I mean, like, I, I looked around and I was like, well, if they have a smaller one, obviously I'll pull the trigger on, like, a $30 bottle. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't pull the trigger on an $80 bottle of untried whiskey. Although I fully, I'm fully sure it is delicious. I just, I was afraid I let my fear rule me in the moment, and I chose, I chose the comfort and safety, which is hopefully. Here's the mind. I think that's perfectly a... understandable. It's really hard for me to imagine spending eighty dollars on 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 alcohol all at one point. 
Yeah, I mean, like, when I buy those giant bottles of Bullet, I mean, I only switch to the giant bottles because I know I like it, and I know I'm going, Trevor and I are going to drink it all winter. And so I'm like, well, this is a reasonable yeah. investment. But, like, when I'm... Oh, Bullet Rye is a good choice. I mean, I'm drinking that I, right I now. am also drinking Bullet Rye. Um, but, oh. yeah, I mean, I, I want to try it. I just, I got to... I gotta ease into it. I need I need a smaller investment. <laughs> <laughs> By ten dollars, it's seven eighths the price, <laughs> but it counts. I think Francis is asking no, us to well, send a little like like travel container, like when you have to put uh, three ounces of of liquid in a in a ziploc bag at the airport. Like we we should send Francis some little like uh, we yeah we need to yeah, send a sample, a sample pack. Yes, please. And we we actually, I should probably say this here, we're not sponsored by Woodford, though I'm sure we would be open to such a sponsorship if anyone from Woodford <laughs> yes. is listening. Or Bullet. Uh, if anyone from Woodford Reserve uh, and, and you know, the family of fine distilled liquors um, that produces Woodford Reserve is, is listening to this podcast... Um, we're definitely open to some kind of arrangement. You know, it's interesting. I was just watching. So, so let I us was know. just watching Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix, and there was a whole. You know, when when Run DMC came on the scene, uh, and they they had a a whole song about their Adidas, and they you know performed the song about their Adidas, and crowds would go wild, and 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 they did that first uh, before like Adidas started throwing money at them. So maybe we're just working on the same angle with Woodford right now. Do you think that's why Corn did their Adidas song? Because they were hoping that. <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on, stop the presses. Why do you know anything about what Corn did? I just, I don't. What? <laughs> Come on, you don't like, know. Like I know about that, that Nickelback one? gets all the internet grief, but also you just mentioned Corn, Greg. They spell their name with a backwards K. Oh, I... <laughs> Yes. Uh, it's not enough that it's a K. They also turned it around backwards. Actually, it might not have been backwards. I don't remember. But no, they did. Uh, is this reference? Uh, they did. Oh, forget it. It's. It's. Uh, they. They did Adidas as an acronym, and it was. It was not a good song. I mean, let me just lay my cards on the table. It was bad. It was just a joke. It was just a joke. <laughs> I do not. I do not like corn. I did not like corn when I was thirteen years old. Uh, I don't like them now. It's cool. You're okay. By In me. fact, my brother did. I no. I can say this because my brother did like them when we were 13. Shame on him. Damn. And as in many cases, I got enough Stockholm syndrome to be like able to tolerate them. And then like years later, we were like in the car. He was like, "Oh, I found my old Corn City. Let's put that on." And he put it on, and it was like, "Is this music being made by literal like 12 year olds who just learned how to play guitar and bass?" Like six months ago like there were these giant holes in the riffs <laughs> and everything where it was like it was like painfully obvious like you guys don't know how to play music it was very i hope weird. we get fan like, mail not from in, like corn fans personally oh uh, no you guys like i'm sure you're nice people but um like you really need to examine your life choices like if you like corn like if that style appeals to you um, I know a guy who could probably hook you up with like actual good music in sort of a similar vein. We took so a we took a dump up. on North Dakota once, and we got a couple angry emails about it. Wait, we did? We did. Well, you weren't involved. Uh, oh, this you're you're, you're plausible deniability on that one. Ah, uh, the understatement of the century. I am so innocent. I think that was. <laughs> That was probably episode like eleven or something. I don't know. It was a long time we ago. Learned. That was sort of a slightly different podcast, and <laughs> that it was good. Hey, no, well, that was back when was we were we were like we were sort of thinking that we were going to go into punditry, and we decided that we were going to pivot firmly toward uh, just yammer that's going to keep people company. Yeah, exactly. We we're really here to keep you company, like on your ride, on your commute. Um, just you know while you're um cruising down the slopes because it's the off season and you're you know riding skis or something down a mountain instead of like a mountain bike or a road bike or something should we just switch to a heavy breathing for the next 40 or so minutes that would be pretty gross (laughs) this is the honest bicycle program (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like it's like some kind of eldritch universe NPR. 
what you're doing there. Uh, yeah, I didn't like uh, it. I didn't like that. All right, all right. Made me very I won't scared. start my own podcast of heavy breathing. Oh, I mean, you're free An to occasional do that. Whispering. I might even come on for the occasional guest appearance, but uh, I think that you're going to have to mastermind that one. Um, so what's going on in, okay, is there anything like any current events in, in bikes uh, on our agenda? Maybe we should uh, give the people some of some of what they presumably tune in for. Is this what people, this is tune, what people in tune in for? Yeah, I, I want to jump in here and talk about how I, months ago, I was totally, I was going to go to Los Angeles this weekend um because there's a track world cup happening in la and it you know as our listeners if they've been paying attention will remember uh i like track racing um and it's super cool that there's yeah, a world you know, cup in on, la um but it, on 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 wide angle podium um sister show uh the um slow ride podcast they were they were making note of track track nerddom a mine or they just in even, general they may have even well, I mean, ours, yours, they may have called us dorks. Um, I can't confirm that, but it might have happened. Anyway, we've got our eye on them. Uh, go on. I appreciate you reporting back on what's happening on the other podcast, Greg. <laughs> on the shade being thrown <laughs> in our direction by other so-called cycling podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's, look, so there's a World Cup in LA and a lot of fast people are going to be there. And months ago when it was announced, I was like, oh, that's super cool. Like, I'm going to go to L.A. I'm going to get a motel near the track. I'm going to, like, maybe volunteer and wander around the infield and help people out and get to watch the racing from up close and personal. And, you know, there are going to be all these, like, friggin' superstars there. And I'm going to be like, you know, I'm kind of a bike racer, too. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then I just never, you know, you just sometimes you never make plans to do something. And you're like, oh, crap, right, mm. I should have. Gotten on that. I done. So I'm a little bit disappointed. It's mm. you know I'm it's it's okay. I'm you know I'm here talking to you guys and that's fun too. But I kind of wish that I was in LA, getting ready for something that's going to happen in a couple days. Uh, and and that actually sounds like like an old rap song or something. Like wish I was in Jeez. LA. Yeah. Should we uh, beatbox? No, we really we should we shouldn't do that. No, we definitely, we shouldn't beatbox, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, uh, rap, <laughs> we shouldn't do anything of that sort. <laughs> uh, alright, so there's a track World Cup in LA, is there, is there anything, <laughs> sorry, moving on, uh, is there anything else? Uh, road season? Yeah, I mean, you know, this, the, the other thing that's happening this weekend is that, uh, Het Nisblad and, uh, Kern Brussels, Kern, and so we can finally, you know, stop pretending that all the other stuff happening in deserts, uh, in terms of bike racing is like actual road racing. Cause there's going to be some real deal stuff starting in Belgium. Have either of you guys watched any of those things? Mm, can't say I have. I like every now and then <laughs> tune in for like a replay of a sprint stage because I'm you know, it's kind of fun. Like, that's all that's really interesting is like, you know, all right, like what what sprinters are, are doing what against whom? And, you know, how often does Nasser Buhani get, you know, terribly beaten by far superior athletes? I've I've long since burned out on watching like every pro road race I can just because it's too much of a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's so much yeah, in the spring. It's just, it's just yeah. Well, and I mean, like, also, like, the, like, uh, go to, like, you know, cyclingfans.com and punch up some pirated, extremely questionable stream that is probably going to give, you know, your computer chlamydia Digital, or digital syphilis. And, uh, computer uh, yeah. chlamydia. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it's just like, I uh, just, like, I don't know. Somehow, when I was I was young and excited about... Uh, bike racing <laughs> i was uh um like willing to put up with it now i'm like uh i'll do it for like the ones that i really like care about but i just it's uh it's too much so much i need to get up early on the weekend and i you know I yeah know. i'll probably watch i'll probably watch the uh the envelope i think it's envelope envelope at least blood envelope well, but it's got two O's, so it's uh, oh, oh, um, loop, um, loop, loop. 
that Dutch that at Dutch it confuses many people. It's um, it's like once you learn a little bit about pronunciation, you probably shouldn't because then like the om poop jokes fall apart, and you're like, damn it. But um, you know, and so enjoy it while you don't understand your Dutch dip thongs. Um, but you know, a, a friend of mine speaks Dutch, and he says that uh, watching uh the races, you know, he's he's really into cyclocross. He says that watching the races and, and getting to hear the announcers and understand what they're saying is is really entertaining because you get this glimpse into uh into these these phrases that just don't translate well, you know? Like, oh, he's dangling back mm-hmm. there like a bag of ham and other other such like <laughs> you know, you can you can you can literally translate them and sort of make some mental leaps and like kind of get a sense about like maybe what is meant here but he just he just laughs at these sayings that don't really that don't really cross over very well you, you know if you're like a native dutch speaker listening to like the the british announcers or whatever you probably get a similar feeling of like oh the man with the hammer and um i don't know the guy that like the old guy who used to be on the eurosport ones david duffield would have these like just ridiculous turns of phrase um, that I can't even remember. I'm not talking about like your suitcase of courage kind of stuff. It, it was like much more, mm. um, well, I don't know, kind of weirdly British <laughs> than that. But uh, I can't remember any examples right now. So this is good radio. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, road season starts with uh, for for the men, right? With um, the envelope, het nuisblad, uh, and then there's Kerna Brussels Kerna, which most of the people go to because they're pissed off because they didn't win the arm loop but but and... but Kerna can you know surprise you it maybe it doesn't really do it like it only it only will surprise you like once every five years or so but you know like yeah but the other four it's not that it's not i mean usually it's just like great that was a you know 200 kilometer field sprint or whatever yeah um so what's um yeah I know, but I know it's occasionally it's occasionally an interesting race. Didn't so, who was it? But wasn't there like an upset win, um, just like a couple years ago? Well, even last year, uh, Jasper Stuyven like soloed away. That's what I was thinking, Jasper Stuyven, and I should have said that so I would have credit for not being an idiot, but mm-hmm. I didn't, so I don't. Uh, yeah, so so good for good for him. Maybe that'll happen again. I mean, <laughs> doubtful. <laughs> But so we so we used to do this whole like kind of like sort of pundit thing, which was a lot of fun. But I uh, that's true. I think one of the look. I'm gonna be honest. Like one of the things that I always struggle with getting back into a season is like I like forget what happened last year, and I I think every year like oh, I have to make notes because like I remember things like oh so and so is really impressive, and I'm looking forward to blah blah blah. Oh, it turns out he's a hamstring injury. Blah 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 blah, and then I just forget all that stuff next year. Or I, I remember like like ten percent of it, you know, if that. Mm, yeah. But I, like I I can't I, you know and I can't remember like you know who's on what teams and just all this stuff. Um, oh I I yeah I can't I can't do so it. So it, it like, like it takes like a month of the season to like of being underway before I start to remember like oh right like. Right, right, right. It was that movie star guy who got top ten at Paris Roubaix and Tour of Flanders, and that was really weird. He was in the day long break both times, and that was really exciting. And maybe he could do stuff in those races again. That's yeah, the, and that's like the one thing I remember care. from last year is this dude like Emmanuel or Viti was in the day long break uh, both those races and pulled out top tens. I guess we could. I guess we could play like uh, Velo games or something and see what happens. That that forces some. Some it's a good idea. I like velo games. So what? Um, does the women's season start this this weekend? Or I'm shamefully ignorant about the women's racing. I'm shamefully ignorant about everything. <laughs> Where am I? What day is it? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's because of your old friend Bullet Rye, Francis. Yeah, I'm just deep in the bullet right now. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are y'all are I, mighty I mean, close it's, al- it's also not like any of the news outlets have like a particularly like usable like race calendar for people to like click through and explore and what what are people gonna yeah. do like go to the uci website and 
Who's <laughs> that? Every every time I like go to the UCI website thinking like surely I will be able to find, you know, whatever, a schedule or results or something, I come away sorely disappointed and confused and not really even sure uh what my name is or where I live <laughs> or who the president of the United States. And just like I, I go to the website and I just it 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 makes so little sense that um you know it's like the vertigo kind of falling into the spiral of i don't know it's bad that website isn't very good is th- i think what i'm saying yeah so speaking of things that don't make any sense what's going on with the the women's tour in the uk oh uh, have you guys heard this francis did you hear this uh i heard briefly about it greg but perhaps you'd like to uh, Alright, so, okay. So, for anyone who doesn't know, there's this thing called the Women's Tour that takes place in the UK. And it's the same promoter as the Men's Tour of Britain. Alright, and they've been putting on the Tour of Britain since 2004, basically. Uh, and the la- I think it was, this is going to be, I don't know if this is going to be the third or the fourth edition. Um, but it started ba- just a few years ago. Uh, this, now, as of last year, uh, world tour women's world tour stage race in the uk that has been a, a, just a huge success like the big teams come out the big riders come out they've had huge success uh, with getting fans out on the roadside to cheer it along like the host towns are super enthusiastic about it um it's it's just been a really tremendous uh success for a new event um and so it's been it's become you know, an important and prestigious race on the women's calendar, like right away. Uh, so, it it came out in the last couple weeks, I want to say, that they had the interest, the women's tour, the organization, for from enough host cities that wanted to be involved for to to put on seven stages if they wanted, and the sponsors wanted seven stages, like they were into that. So they had the monetary support to put it on. Um, so therefore, the organization was into it. The UCI supported it, saying, yes, this race should be seven stages. Go ahead, do it. And then when they took it to British Cycling, which, um, to be clear, is the British equivalent of USA Cycling, right? It's a national government body. And British Cycling said, no, it'll stay five stages. We don't believe the sport... Uh, is at a level to support a seven-day stage race, right? Which, yeah. So, 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 we. Uh, I have a whole thing about this, really. Greg, but, I mean, I if mean, you give me seven stages this, of bike racing to race as a woman, I may feel motivated and powerful enough to leave the house and, you know, <laughs> pursue a career or something ridiculous like that whoa, instead of taking whoa. care of the children. Right. Really? Because well, I deserve that your uterus yeah. would fall well, out. Oh, that too. That's uh, all right. All right. Here's here's the thing about this. Here's the thing about this, though. All right. There's there's been some arguments about this kind of question b- before. Is like you don't want to go too fast because you know there's not kind of the level there to support it. And like it, there are, that's not necessarily a terrible argument in all cases, um, right? Like it, it's very difficult to get from point A to point B, even even though it's like technically the right thing to do. You you could kind of undermine that. But two things. First of all, everything was in place to make this happen. There's no particular reason to think that um, their sport isn't at the level to support it. Uh, certainly, they had the money. They had the support. Um, you know, all the teams are lined up. Everyone's excited about that possibility. Uh, so it's kind of weird that British Cycling is then like, nah, everyone's wrong about it. Uh, but, but most importantly, British Cycling has zero credibility on that argument whatsoever. Like this is that this is the part that kind of kills me. British cycling of all organizations to make this argument that the sport isn't at a level to support it has zero credibility to um, get to give them any benefit of the doubt that they are making that argument in good faith. It does not exist. With all the problems that British Cycling has had with it coming out, that they had this incredible sexist culture 
uh, with Shane Sutton telling riders to like go have a baby, they're off the team, um, showing rank favoritism for like random reasons, not supporting um, their women riders at anything like the levels of, of the men. You know, all the, like it coming to the point of riders like Nicole Cook and and other individuals testifying before Parliament in their Ministry uh, for Sport on this. British cycling does not have the credibility to make that argument, period, end of story. They don't get any bit of the benefit of the doubt. They're not just being sexist dopes. Right, so this, yeah, I mean, this, this offseason, they were fairly mired in scandal about it, and it really came out with, like, so many women who were a part of it saying, like, yeah, oh, sexism oh, was rampant. all year. And then, all year. And then, they, and then they had, like, all these men who are on, you know, connected to the program in various ways saying, uh, I don't know, I never saw any sexism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never saw anyone dope, you know, like I never saw anyone take anything like, yeah, no, and, and that's really just for me, like what it comes down to is maybe that case is there to be made, but no one else is making it And British cycling does not have the credibility on this issue to make that case and be taken seriously. Totally. Well, especially, Shame especially in the situation where you're saying that like the UCI, the teams, the host cities and the sponsors, you know, want a certain length, like. If there's if British Cycling's argument is that the sport isn't at a level to support seven stages, like it <laughs> right, is. Like, like what are you, what else are citation you needed? For? Because yeah, all those other things make up the sport, and they're saying like we can support a seven day stage race. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's just so. shooting themselves in the foot at that point. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like what, like it's. It's like just how can this how is this anything but an own goal for them? Yeah, I mean it does it doesn't <laughs> like, make any sense. It's like it would benefit and uh you know further the sport. It would be, you know, great for those cities, you know, it would be a, like a, an economic boon and it's it's being like, you know, someone offering you like I'd like to give you a free breakfast every day for a year and being like, "No. I will not take your free breakfast. I hate <laughs> it." Yeah. And it's like, does anybody really think that British cycling, uh, like, is, is, like, incredibly concerned about the sustainable, uh, development of women's cycling Mm. as, like, a top, top level sport? (laughs) Like, come on. Come on, guys. Ugh, I, I just, I can't, oh, man. (laughs) So, anyway, hopefully that will change in the future. The race director, I forget his name, I'm sorry, because, uh, punditry, we're bad at it. Uh, um, but, but the race director, uh, you know, was incredibly diplomatic, uh, in the comments he made to the Cycling Podcast, which is where I first heard this. This is that podcast that's made by, like, actual journalists, (laughs) <laughs> is it cover the cycling podcast cycling that's what i said oh yeah oh i thought you were just referring to like a cycling podcast <laughs> no, i didn't say it was a cycling podcast it's the <laughs> cycling podcast uh and so he was extremely diplomatic in his comments to them but i'm sure there was a lot of uh wtfery um behind the <laughs> scenes <laughs> like guys uh, probably, I don't know, any further comments, you guys, we, we should move on, but I just, I wanted to get that off my chest, because I was like, what the actual hell? Yeah, <laughs> what the actual hell is the proper Ugh. response, I think. Yes, that is the polite way of putting it. Oh, all right, so, moving along, British cycling, shame on you, okay. Uh, off-seasoning? Off-seasoning. Indeed. Off-seasoning. off-seasoning. This is like, this is what we do in the off-season. Hmm. We talk about we basically we, we wag our finger. We drink at, whiskey uh, and, and national do stuff. governing bodies. I, I like. I might drink whiskey during the on season. I like to think about it as scandal yammering. Ah, uh, <laughs> scandal yammering. What else is there to talk uh, about? Scandal like, yammering. First, <laughs> yeah. First, you have silly season, and then you have uh, I don't know cross season and then you have uh off season. the complaint about the weather season but i think i've alienated many of our listeners by beating that dead horse as i've already explained to you no horses were harmed in the making seen, of that analogy as, as i already explained to you the temperatures you're seeing outside right now are a chinese hoax it is actually 25 degrees ah uh, yes climate change right. is chinese that's right i forgot about that so it is too it is actually it is still too cold to ride 
<laughs> um, so don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, I, sorry, on the... <laughs> it's February, and I've been training in, like, exposed skin. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, man, yeah. I, okay, so this is just a side note on that, which is that I was looking at my, like, weather channel app or whatever on my phone, and I saw, like, a little headline being, like, after, you know, some warm temperatures this weekend, like, a return to seasonal temps. And I look at the forecast for the next five days, and it's like forty degrees, you know, forty one. Yeah, that's not degrees. seasonal. And I'm like, I'm like, in what, like, in what universe is forty degrees in late February like a normal seasonal high like every day? Like that's not that's not normal seasonal temps. Like, what are you crazy? In so, the universe I, I where we've totally effed the planet. I feel like people have like somehow managed to convince themselves. At least some people have like managed to convince themselves that that. Oh, yeah, like, as far back as I can remember, in February, we would go to school and we would walk uphill both ways in the rain. And it's like, no. <laughs> it, it, it was snow, people. It was definitely snow. It was definitely snow. It was definitely snow. Do you not? No, no. Uh, I would put on my galoshes in my yellow Paddington bear coat, and I would walk up the longest of hills and I would have to trudge down because there certainly wasn't any ice for me to slide on my butt down the hill with. <laughs> so it uh. made it even more difficult than you think it is with your winter. Uh, so yeah, it's been pretty warm. Well, it's, it's been, pretty it's warm, been a little yeah. bit better than it was last year, I think I feel, because last year it was just straight up warm. And I mean, being a New Englander, we judge uh, how well winter is going uh, into about this time of early February on based on how good the uh, maple syrup season is going. And uh, I believe it's going better than last year at this point in time because, I mean, we're actually getting freezing temps at night. Some maple syrup. Yeah, freezing temps at night and, like, warm days, but still, like, it's still actually getting cold enough that the sap stops running. So the world hasn't Mm. ended completely because we will still have maple syrup, Um, which... Oh, if we run out of maple syrup thanks to global warming, that's just, like, one more thing that's going to suck. I know, seriously. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, before that and, happens, and so, yeah. I'm going definitely going to do early season sugar shack rides, which is what I plan to do this weekend. Um, Let's, Francis, maybe let's not um advertise, like, real maple syrup to the, like, people outside New England too heavily. Like, I mean... We don't want the prices to I'm go up. I'm doing nothing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> don't have maple syrup it just tastes like pine sap it's no good uh it's just kind of we just we just like to suffer in new england um don't yeah don't eat don't eat maple syrup all right i think i think we're i think we're safe <laughs> the supply totally safe. is protected uh all right so i it's you know so what okay so what are we doing during the off season are we just are, apparently we're riding bikes because it's super warm is that what you guys are doing? Yeah, I started riding bikes. I mean, it's actually like warm enough to ride outside without wanting to kill yourself. So, yeah, yeah. no, it's true. Uh, well, here's my problem. Okay, with the riding outside, maybe, maybe you can tell me. So, uh, aside from let, a, I've just started kind of riding again. Um, I can actually ride a bike. Uh, things aren't perfect, but it's you know it's working. My leg is operational in a more or less. Um, you know, quasi-functional way. Um, and I was on the trainer in part because, well, first I didn't want to go outside because it was actually cold and dumping snow. But then it got a little warmer, but it was just like melting snow continuously. And I think that what we really know as Northeasterners is that the absolute worst thing about riding in winter isn't so much the cold it's when it's just a little bit above freezing and you have to ride over miles and miles and miles of frigid snow melt and just get soaked in disgusting filthy freezing cold water that is just you know it's 33 degrees fahrenheit and it just covers everything and it carries grit and salt and grime into all of your things uh and that is what i was trying to avoid I don't know about you guys. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty much the most shitty. I mean, like, I'd rather ride in, like, 25 degrees when the ground is actually dry than have to ride in 33 degrees and melting snow. But, I yes. mean, I'll, I'm fine with over 40 in melt and grit as long as I can be slightly comfortable with, which 40 is really my threshold for comfort mm. and, and wetness on the ground. 
If it's below 40 and there's wetness on the ground, that's just a recipe for misery. Yeah. Yeah, it got to, it got to like, almost, it got to the mid-50s or something like that in Sunny on Sunday, and I was like, okay, I'd be an idiot not to ride outside uh, when it's like this. So I did. Um, but up to that point, it was kind of much colder. It was more like around 40 or something like that, and it was... And for me, like, if I'm going to get wet, like, melted snow all over me, that otherwise known as water, I guess, um, that starts to get pretty cold after a while. So. Indeed. I've had, a, I've had an issue this year where, and, and maybe it's because it's, you know, the weather, this is, you know, my, my first winter in a while outside Minnesota, so I'm getting some more appropriate weather for riding. And I'm also, I'm training pretty hard, which means that I'm doing some, like, some intervals you know like after work at night if it's you know even if it's chilly outside but i've had an issue where i just have a really hard time keeping my hands and feet warm kind of like no matter what i'm wearing and like part of these problems are because like i'm you know i'm riding more and 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 intervals are like really crappy to do in the cold because like Mm. you know you get warm and then you get cold and then you know it's it's like just rolling around like slow rolling trying to like stay warm but you're not going to stay warm um so it's terrible. It's my own choices, but like, man, I, I I know I'm kind of like a whiner about the cold, but I just had a really the devil of a time keeping my hands and feet warm this winter. I I used to when I lived out in Western Mass, uh, represent. Yep. Would represent. this was <laughs> represent <laughs> back? Okay, all three of us said that. Uh, I used to head out and ride up. Maybe you guys know. I'd I'd head up like one of the Shootsbury climbs from um, Pelham. Like I'd, I'd go uh, like east on, I don't know, Route 9 for a short distance or something, or not Route 9, the other one. Uh, for a short distance, then you make a left turn, you do this kind of long, steady climb up toward like Shootsbury. And, um, you know, you, it's like a 20-something minute kind of three and a half, four percent climb maybe. And I'd get there and it'd be like, and so all this time I'd be going up, you know, it's probably like 20 degrees out or something like that, um, because this was <laughs> almost 10 years ago. And uh, I'd be feeling like, oh yeah, things are going fine. This is great. Uh, but then I get to the top and I'm like turning to go down the hill to like do the rest of my ride. And I would just on this 10 minute descent, I would get super cold and my heart rate would drop a ton. And then no matter what I did, I couldn't get warm again. And I would have to just go home. And that was the thing that happened to me more than once. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I, th- that story, I guess, didn't have much of a point except to empathize with your your challenges in doing the intervals. Where it gets really hard to regulate your body temperature under those kind of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And uh, that sucks. Yep. Yep, I don't yeah, think I've I ever done too many like... cold weather intervals, but sounds terrible. Yeah, it's because you've been cyclocrossing for a while, and and like once it gets really cold, you're like off the bike and drinking beer and being like, "Well, I'm glad that's over," and not starting <laughs> uh, base until March. Well, also or base is pretty consistent. Like base is kind of like once you get out there, if I can get my body temperature up, I can keep it there as long as I don't have to stop. Yeah. Um, it's the stopping that kills me. It's like, uh, uh, I mean, it sounds like such a weird thing to complain about, but like, I hate stopping for like pastries or food or coffee in the winter because the consequences of oh, such are just awful. And I know people are like, oh, let's like, let's stop and like go inside and warm up and like eat food. But then like your sweat starts to cool and you've got like these half wet or all wet clothes and you're going back out into the freezing cold and now the blood is in in your stomach because you just ate something and it's just like oh god i would rather do so many other things than go back out for another two hours when it takes me like half an hour to warm up after that once i warm up warm up i'm fine but in those like first 15 to 20 minutes of abject misery where like my Hands and my feet are bricks, and I feel like I'm just going to fall off my bike and die from cold. I'm with you, but on the other hand, like, like yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's, like, a thing that you can easily happen. On the other hand, some of, like, my favorite rides that I've ever done have been, like, 
those long base rides with teammates where you like go out and like roll out through, you know through kind of all the towns and you stop at you know i don't know whatever in concord or something and and you get some coffee and and you sit in the sun and uh other you know other people and other teams kind of come by and stuff if, it, like, if it's okay, warm enough up, to losers? sit in the sun i'm, I'm talking about like you go inside because it's fucking cold. You go inside because it's fucking cold outside. And you're like, oh, God. Oh, thank God I'm inside. And then you're like, oh, why am I outside again? Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, like, sometimes I've done that, like, out of necessity where you're like, if I do not get a warm beverage in me and, like, into a space-heated zone, I am I might actually die. But the problem is then you're there and you're like, oh, I have to go outside again. No, that, that's – I actually – structured and attempted to structure all of my early season rides to not stop (laughs) mid-ride. I mean, I I spoke earlier about Sugar Shack rides, and that's kind of a Western Mass tradition, is a lot of people like to ride to a Sugar Shack, stuff your face with pancakes and syrup, and then ride home. And I well, otherwise there's barely anywhere else to stop. Like, we're, like you're out in the boonies. I, like, where are I you don't stop, stop at all. <laughs> I'm saying do the whole ride and end at the sugar shack and have your car nearby and then just be done with the ride. Oh yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. I just like in general, like the even you know again from when I lived out there, it's like where the hell are you gonna? How are you gonna like? Where are you gonna stop mid ride? Like. You know, Bob's Snaggletooth Sandwich Shop, like, out in, I don't know, somewhere in Gill or something? Bob's Snaggletooth like, <laughs> Sugar Shack, where you stop. Yeah, whatever. You're, like, you're out in, like, I don't know, Conway or something like that. Like, there's not exactly a lot of, uh, uh, or Florida Mass or there's, something. There's I don't good know Sugar Shacks in those lines. weird places. They're, that's where they exist. <laughs> but, but there aren't, like, like, like you know, fancy coffee shops of the sort that cyclists you know, like to imagine themselves stopping at. Yeah, but I mean, like, that, I, I don't know. We don't really... The Western Masters, we do the sugar shacks. I mean, you ride out into, like, deep, deep into the boonies of Western Mass where there is no civilization and suddenly there's a sugar shack and you eat pancakes. Right, no, but that's what I'm saying is that's what you have. Yeah. You don't have, like, coffee shops. No, but, I mean, we, see, we seek know, them it's out. Like... It's not like we're like, oh, we happened upon a sugar shack. Let us stop there. I mean, we plan rides <laughs> around strange that. strange sugar shack in We're the like, woods. let's go to this sugar shack today. As opposed, I, I guess if you live in Boston, uh, it's let's go to this coffee shop today, but. I mean, it kind of is because it's like you pretty much can loop through, like, I don't know, Concord or Death. There's actually like there's actually precious few, but it's it's pretty easy to do a ride that will loop through Concord when you're kind of going out, and and that's can be a midpoint ride. But otherwise, it's like, but yeah, you're kind of out in I don't know. It's not really that rural when you're in the greater Boston area, but there are some farms and some quiet roads. What, if you get out far. What enough. the hell is this base training that you guys are talking about? Uh, yeah, some of us are not actually going to be racing for a little while. Uh, I mean, in my case, again, I broke, I broke my hip. I don't know if everyone knows <laughs> I broke my hip. Uh, so I'm still on the way back up. I'll see, I'll see you guys in cross season <laughs> as far as that's concerned. <laughs> like maybe I'll be ready to go fast by then. But, uh, yeah. Base training. Ugh. But you're, so you're doing like, uh, you're like what five by fives and your two by twenties and all that fun stuff oh oh man a whole bunch of stuff yeah print stuff vo2 max stuff some some anaerobic stuff some tempo and threshold stuff all the all the you know awful crap how's your how's your how's your vo2 max looking these days matteo it's uh pretty good it's pretty good pretty good i think uh yeah that's good yeah Although you know, I was like, I was uh, doing was like I was a... doing three minute intervals up a climb, and I, I I picked the wrong climb earlier today, and like just had mm-hmm. to like coast a bunch in order to deal with you know either car traffic or some like stop sign situations. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like, oh, I did it in two and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> I did his three minute climb in only two and a half minutes. Pretty good at that. No. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the traffic is bad, but you know. But yeah, you know. I mean, the you know, the, welcome the to welcome to professionally our... the road season starts soon, and amateurishly, it's you know, it's only a couple weeks out, really. I cannot, I cannot believe that because I have barely my 
my uh for for power nerds right my my ctl is like 20 right now it's so bad my fitness is extremely extremely low that is, so I'm that just is pretty like, low it's pretty low i'm getting out there and i'm like yeah i did an hour and a half Woo. so i'd i'd, I'd say what mine is just to you know so that you're not alone in that but it's mine is also like like shockingly shockingly low compared to people who do a lot of road training and a lot of road volume oh because you're getting ready for track season i mean i you know i'm just i'm i'm just i'm just training but i also do you know uh, we could we could go into sports science but like you know like tss has its limitations and, and you've talked about how it's really biased toward toward long stuff um yes it is and like you know there's there's a really big difference between being able to do like a couple a couple days in a row of like three or four hour rides there's there's a huge difference between that and doing like you know uh several days in a row of like you know hard i mean you can i mean I'm, and, and uh i'm sorry non uh training nerds for this digression but you can you can come up with a workout that will like utterly destroy you and it'll be 50 tss like you can pretty easily do that and that'll say like oh that was easy you big wimp according to the tss but and and yeah it'll be like you can do one of those workouts a week you know you can definitely come up with things like that so yeah i remember i was i was reading one of the like one of the blog posts from one of the sports scientists you know explaining tss and it was like uh, a ride that has more than 200 is probably going to require a day or two of recovery over 150 you know blah 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 blah, and around 100 is like you'll be fine i'm like i've like died on 100 tss workouts (laughs) like it was like so shockingly biased toward um you know much more like well triathletes or something yeah or maybe yeah maybe something like that yeah yeah, no, I mean, you'll definitely you'll definitely find people who still like train, or rather, will like be like, oh yeah, I definitely am gonna like build my week around like I have to get whatever six hundred or eight hundred TSS or whatever, and it doesn't, you know, and and I'll do it with well, and it's like, well, maybe it depends on what you're doing, but anyway, um, this is boring, uh, and we should probably move on. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what we should. Do? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to like cut you off, but I don't think this is very interesting to many people. No, you know, I. You know what I we should talk I'm, about I'm, actually. I totally hear you. Yeah, you know. You know what isn't boring, Matteo, and Francis. Yes, Francis, you still I'm with still us? I'm still with you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I think Francis is a little I'm, bit I'm closer to the bullet. <laughs> oh yeah, well that's good. Francis was taking a bourbon break. <laughs> actually, it's rye. It's rye. We have to. Clarify. It is rye. It is that's rye. true. Not bourbon, but uh, so yeah. What is interesting is life insurance. Life insurance yes. is awesome. Life insurance is very interesting. Um, and we have something to tell you about that, actually. Because, once again, this episode, this week, is brought to you by Health IQ. Matteo, you seem to be a pretty good spokesperson for Health IQ, so so why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, they are uh, a company that's working to uh, offer... Uh, discounted rates on not discounted lower rates on health insurance for people who live active lifestyles um you can check them out that includes uh, cyclists athletes and cyclists probably like you listener um healthiq.com slash honest bicycle uh has a little bit further information i mean you know you live an active life and you're you've got a lower uh chance of early death lower chance of a bunch of chronic diseases um and and based on that ability to crunch the data which they communicate on their website very well which appeals to me um they uh they can offer lower rates on health insurance so you can you can go you can get uh life life insurance we keep doing oh that gosh, I keep on because it it's health iq and i keep on saying yeah life insurance it is life insurance it's all right i think it's fine just pour it's me great. a glass of bullet rye <laughs> yep i'm pouring everyone a glass of bullet rye right now <laughs> but um oh, yeah yeah i i think our listeners should should check them out and get a free quote for life insurance on their website. They're a supporter of the show uh, and of the Wide Angle Podium Network, and uh, they've just been great to us. Yeah, we thank them. All right, so go to uh, healthiq.com slash honestbicycle. All right. Um, 
I'm trying to think of a good segue, but uh, I'm failing, guys. I'm failing. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's tough to segue from life insurance to potentially bad crashes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like we kind of that that has it carries implications that uh, <laughs> tough tough we don't we don't want. Like you know, we want you to have life insurance. We don't really want you to have to cash in on that policy. Nope. <laughs> Let's be frank. <laughs> like that's usually a bad that's a bad situation if you actually do have to cash in. I mean, like you know, look, you should have life insurance so that you know the people who you love uh, will be taken care of in the event of the worst. But <laughs> you know, it's even better not dying uh, and paying low low rents r- rates on your existing life insurance policy uh, until you die at the ripe old age of 115 years old. Thank you, Health IQ. Um, but uh, I guess I guess because it's the off-season and because we're looking things uh, to talk about, uh, I don't know, we were thinking about uh, doing a little bit of a roundtable. And by roundtable, I mean just like going around and, and maybe sharing our, I don't know, talking crashes, our best crashes, our worst crashes, our silliest crashes. So, Crash, crashy crashes. Uh, could be some good could be some good stories in there, perhaps, maybe. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Possibly. I, I, I can start because I know that mine's not the best. Um and it's that uh living in Minnesota for six years, you know, I did a lot of riding in the winter, like not always for fun, you know, just commuting, uh, blah blah blah. And we had some some winters where, you know, just the a lot of snowfall and then just ice packs up everywhere. Uh, and some of a lot of the side streets don't get plowed. And so just riding on snow was a was a, a constant reality. And uh, I never really fit in and I, I never really fully embraced it. Uh, and I never bought studded tires like a big dummy. And I would ride around on, you know, like 25 millimeter slicks and slip slide all around. Or like finally I sort of like grew up and was like, okay, I'm going to put like cross tires on, try and handle this. But like cross tires don't do shit on ice. Uh, and I don't even have one story except that like it was just a, a series of bad. De- it wasn't. It was a. It was a bad decision that I like kept making over and over and over again because I crashed on the snow and ice just all the time and not even like doing cool stuff, going fast, anything. I'd be like, you know, picking my way through the neighborhood at ten miles an hour, you know, fully upright on a you know nerdy commuter bike with fenders, and just move the handlebars the slightest bit, and the bike would just boom, disappear from underneath me. <laughs> and this happened constantly. And I'd still be like, yeah, I don't know about studded tires. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, You know, I had a few just like those... Uh, it, again western mass you're riding along it, it's been snowy and it's like you're on a road where like you know it's like you have like the two tire tracks in the middle where it's kind of bare pavement but there's like some slushy snow in like the middle of the lane mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and like lose focus and kind of just drift into the like the slushy thing in the middle of the rain and then a lane and then you're like sliding down the road <laughs> i've had that uh super sketchy <laughs> that was kind of embarrassing yeah, that's always fun. Like, well, you know, or you go out. You, just in general, you go out on a road ride. Um, for example, this time I decided I lived in Sunderland, Mass, and I was like, "This is in Western Mass, everyone by the Connecticut River." And I thought I'll ride up to Greenfield and loop back. That's not too long. And I'm like riding down like the main road you use along the Connecticut River to get between these places. You know, that isn't the interstate, and it's like just the road is snow. <laughs> And I'm like, this is fine. Uh, but I didn't crash that time. But uh, this just uh, somehow, I, I only froze all my digits off that time. I I remember that ride because I have never been, I, my hands have never been so cold. Um, but like the worst one in terms of weather related crashes was just like in college. And it was, it wasn't snowing. It was raining, but it was cold. And I was like, it's like a slight downhill and then a right turn to like the parking lot to go across another dorm. And I'm like slowing down to turn right and I squeeze the right brake and the front wheel just like dumps me out onto the pavement. And I was like a cool college kid not wearing a helmet and I like hit my head on the pavement. Not very hard. I'm fine. But 
Uh, yeah, I learned a lot of respect for watching out what's going on with your front wheel in cold weather when that happened. That's for sure. That one stuck with me. So, uh, anyway. So that wasn't fun. <laughs> but the best crash, the best... Uh, I, no, no, that wasn't fun. But I did have a silly crash. So maybe you can keep it just like best ones. All right. So uh, probably the most ridiculous crash I had, mostly because there's photographic evidence, which I should try to dig up uh, for the benefit of all the listeners, is we did a crit in, gosh, uh, 2011 or something like that. This was in Tennessee. This was around kind of a uh, retail area in Brentwood, Tennessee. Um, called Mayflower Farms or Mayfield Farms. I don't know, but it was like a just a crit. And there was this one left-hand turn, like this, like the second or fourth turn or whatever on the course, uh, that was a turn into like a slight uphill. And ke- this is in a Cat 4 race, and people just kept crashing at it. Like what would happen is people would tur- come into this turn and they'd get out of the saddle to punch it to go up this slight incline and their back wheel would just go away because they were going onto an incline and like putting all their weight onto the front wheel all of a sudden while still at a turn they just wipe out um and so one of these laps this this crash happens and there's nothing particularly remarkable about this crash except that i got caught up in it and went basically over my handlebars and landed on the pavement kind of almost on like the back of my like on my upper shoulders and there's this photo of me upside down just like on my shoulders like rolling over my head like actually to stand up but just completely inverted on the pavement trying to get get kind of oriented and back on my feet after this crash uh and it was a day that lived in infamy on my team for many years because it it Looked like I was just rolling along like a tumbleweed <laughs> or something. I want to see that picture. It's a pretty awkward. It's 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 amazingly awkward, and I do think we'll we'll put that. Uh, I'll find that and and put it either in like the show blog or I'll link to it or something. You know, my my um, so you can go find that. My friend and teammate has a, a really excellent sequence of pictures where you see him coming into a corner and he starts turning and he's leaning real hard, right? And it's you know like someone had their camera on burst mode and they're all on Facebook somewhere. Um, uh-huh. and then you see him start to lose his front wheel and uh-huh. it's, it's obviously the beginning of a crash sequence and then the sequence ends and he says that no he didn't crash he saved it and you go back and you look at the last picture and it's obvious that his wheel is like out of plane that his front wheel has started to skid he was like oh yeah I completely lost the front wheel that's crazy and then I got, and then, and then I got it back Oh my god. That's the, that's the scariest thing. On a road bike. When you lose your front wheel, you're like, oh, well, this isn't going... And then you, it, it catches, if that ever happens to you. And you're just like, that was, from no skill of mine, pure luck that I was able to save that. Oh, you know, you see this... You know, actually, that reminds me of some things you see. Um, where there's a couple examples I can think of, like... There was a near crash that Marianne Voss had a few years ago in um, uh, uh, the Giro Rosa where she basically went sideways. And there was a sort of similar thing in um, a cyclocross race uh, a couple years ago. I think it was uh, Super Prestige uh, Geaton where uh, Matthew Vanderpool had a similar, like he kind of went sideways and then like caught it. And like... This is not to dismiss the bike handling skills of either of them because they're really good. Uh, but it's also like there's a certain amount of as long as like that tire hooks up again, it almost happens before you can even think about it. Which doesn't mean you're not doing anything necessarily that contributes to the save. Like, for example, not freaking out. But people are like, oh, MG, amazing save. And it's like at full speed, it's like a fraction of a second. Yep. Um, and it's, it's like, there's a certain amount of like, it just hooks up right. And you got lucky, um, because the tire hooked up again, because if it didn't, you're just going down. Um, Matt, Matteo has just sent a link that says content not found. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's no, that content <laughs> totally exists. That was the picture I was telling you about. 
I think I think I think that I think that we're not authorized to view said content. Uh, Francis, what's your crash story? Well, I mean, I've got uh, I've got a couple, but probably like my two highlights. One which I've mentioned here before is uh, coming across the finish line at the Exeter Criterium uh, upside down <laughs> in cannonball formation. Um, which it's funny because it doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's aches and pains. <laughs> <laughs> I still get the occasional twinge ah, of the old ankle. Storm's coming. <laughs> um, storm's coming. That one was more just, that was my first sprint crash, which was just kind of surprising and insane. Um, but uh, I think the story I'll tell is my first real criterium crash when I was uh, racing in college. Uh, I think it was up in Vermont. And I was coming around a corner and i know the story yes. <laughs> you may have even been there were you there i was yes. there i was there. um go I was, on greg greg knows the story well so i was coming around a corner and you know all in in the drops and i remember kind of being in the air like with my bike kind of like i was leaning enough that my tires i guess just slipped out completely and i remember that feeling of like nothing was touching the ground anymore and having that moment of oh shit and then hitting the yeah. ground and sliding for a long time and kind of popping up and being like oh okay oh fuck that hurt but i'm standing i seem to be fine and then looking to my left and seeing my teammate crumpled up on the curb <laughs> and realizing that she had been coming around me on the left it was a right hand turn and so when my bike uh basically gave out from under me i had essentially T-boned her into the curb. She'd flipped off her bike and smashed her head into the curb. And so she was unconscious, <laughs> which was fun. So, of course, I yeah. ran over to her immediately, even though I would had lost a shit ton of skin off my, like, arm and thigh. I don't think I had really any skin on my thigh, but I was like, well, there's more important things happening. And my teammates started kind of coming around and we kind of start explaining to her what happened and she'd start getting upset after, as she was realizing what was going on. And then she had hit her head hard enough that her short term memory would just wipe itself completely. And she would go back to square one and be like, what happened? And we'd be like, Oh God. <laughs> and she, yep. she did this a couple of times. <laughs> that was about when I came on the scene. Oh, that was, it's that was scary. Head injuries are bad, but it head injuries. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause moment. she was, She's totally fine. Um, so funny in retrospect because everybody made it out okay. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a scary moment. Her parents were there. So it was like me and her dad like leaning over her trying to like explain to her what was going on. And her like short term memory was just like erase, erase, erase. <laughs> so she got, of course, loaded up into the ambulance. Um, and then I, you know, bandaged myself up and many hours at the hospital later, she's you know, discharged with a clean bill of health. Amazingly fine, considering I've never seen someone just kind of go on like a feedback loop of full erasure like that. Um, it's amazing what the human... Oh, she was fine. Like a year later, she was collegiate national champion for crying She was out fine she like was a fine. week later. I mean, she got real <laughs> lucky with that. I mean, when you knock yourself yeah. unconscious completely, that's real bad for you. Um, oh, yeah. And I had, some, I had a teammate a few years ago who had a head injury who like, I mean, again, he turned out fine and everything, but it was it was weeks before he was kind of normal. Again. Yeah, she she really lucked out in that. I don't think she had really any any really lingering effects or any sort of TBI or anything like that. But it definitely makes for a pretty insane story of that. My first real road crash, I T-bone and knock my teammate unconscious. <laughs> I, yeah, it's amazing. Like th that actually stuck with me enough that I I tend to forget that you crashed too. <laughs> no, it was it was her crash Sorry. was so bad that like I mean I remember it vividly of course because of the many weeks of pain of healing lots of skin afterward. But you know it's yes. it was an afterthought. I mean because I jumped up immediately, I was fine. She was not fine. <laughs> no. Uh. <laughs> yeah, bike racing can be a scary yeah, that's thing. Not what you want. Scary bike racing. It can be. Wear your helmet, kid. It can kid. be scary. Wear your helmet, yeah. In a bike race, I mean, it's not like they're gonna let you That's start. That's true. You know? Yeah, I, I've just, I've, I've certainly never had anything like that. I mean, like I've crashed a few times in races, sometimes quite embarrassingly. There, I mean, you know, there was one where I was like 
being super pro and i was like i need to eat this energy bar i will open it with my hands or whatever my hands were off the bars and i hit like a bump or something and i just went into the ditch it was oh <laughs> it, it was very embarrassing stuff like that uh, does happen it does happen yeah it uh that uh <laughs> that was not cool i didn't enjoy that there was a time my teammate hit like it was a very short stick but it was thick we were going up a climb my teammate crashed in front of me at like eight miles per hour and I had nowhere to go. That was fun. That was actually the one I think I might have mentioned before where he was wearing a San Re- We were both wearing San Remo skin suits and he just, he was stripped naked. Oh God. By that crash. That's funny. Yeah, it was, there was, there was some serious butt for all of uh, rural middle Tennessee to enjoy. So, that is kind of the funny yeah. thing about Criterium crashes is like you see guys and women walking around afterward literally with their butts hanging out and they're just like i literally could care less that you can see my butt right now because not only can you see my butt but you can see it inside of my skin (laughs) oh yeah there was a oh man there was another race it was in oh it was in alabama of course Uh, (laughs) man racing in the south i don't even know what to say uh yeah there was definitely a race in alabama where someone went down and went into the ditch and came out and it was like it was like all butt and that butt was very red uh, uh yeah red think these things happen <laughs> the red butt is where you're like boy i feel sorry for you <laughs> that can't be good uh anyway we're gonna have to wrap i mean we're gonna have to wrap it up we're, we might be having some issues with uh uh matteo and i don't know still being connected yep there may have been a little <laughs> skype noise happening there there may have been a little Skype noise. Uh, you know, we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> Maddie, was, Maddie was telling us to go on without him, so I think he's I think he's gone. Take the ship. Go without him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Save yourselves. No, we never leave a man behind. We're going to leave, leave, leave We're going to top time, gear it and leave a man behind. <laughs> yeah, we are going to do that. But we are uh, on that bombshell then. <laughs> Where uh, it's time to end. We should probably... Yes, it is time to end now that Maddie was dead and gone and uh, has no crash things to share. Um, so uh, let me tell you guys really quickly about um, the Wide Angle Podium Network. Uh, we're part of the Wide Angle Podium Network of fine podcasts, mostly cycling-related podcasts, a lot of great shows that you can listen to, things like the new Dirtfield recordings, uh, Crosshairs Radio, of course, the Slow Ride podcast, even if they called us dorks. Um, they do a pretty good job with, like, I don't know, a show that is entertaining and whatever. So I listen to them, I guess. Um, uh, Adam Meyerson supposedly has a show on the network. <laughs> Maybe he'll put out a new episode someday. Um, Molly and Peter have a show on the network. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, Consummate Athlete. There's just, like, there's so many. Um, Go check them out. Uh, Become a member. So uh, go to WideAnglePodium.com. You can listen to shows. You can become a member at WideAnglePodium.com slash donate. Uh, It helps us uh, make this happen. And we appreciate it a lot. And uh, check them out because if you like this show, chances are you're going to like those shows at least as much, uh, (laughs) if not more. Uh, So anyway, in the meantime, um, I've been Greg. I've been Francis. And, and Matteo's out there somewhere, and, and we know that he loves you too. And we'll catch you next time. Bye.